Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today we're going to talk about the 1993 Disney film Hocus Pocus. My name is Sarah. I am the mom of a five-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey, and I am the mom of a 19-year-old girl, young lady, damn it, oh god, <laughs> damn it, I was so close, so close, and nine-year-old boy, three-year-old boy, Okay. and I have to move my mic. So, right off the bat on this one, something I found that's pretty interesting, um, first, this only has a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I remembered it much more fondly than 37%. I feel you? like it's got such a cult following that right? I, I expected a higher number there. Um, but the most interesting thing I found when doing that sort of research was that this movie was released on July 16th, 1993. Like, smack dab in the middle of summer. They really missed a window of opportunity. So, apparently... The reason they released it in the summer is because The Nightmare Before Christmas and Adam's Family Values were both due to be released at Halloween. So Hocus Pocus did poor at the box office. Adam's Family Values did terribly. It didn't come anywhere near um, the box office numbers that the first Adam's Family movie came Well, because it was a terrible movie. I mean, let's be really honest about it. Is that the one where... Is that the one where Fester marries uh, Joan um, Cusack? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And then um, The Nightmare Before Christmas did okay, but wasn't expected to do well. So. And then it acquired the cult following. Right. But this movie has a similar cult following Mm -hmm. in Disney fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably outside of it, too, because a lot of people don't realize it's a Disney movie, which I can understand, because it doesn't really come across as a Disney movie so no, much. No, but I bet there's a lot of fandom overlap. Like, I bet the Venn diagram of the Nightmare Before Christmas fans and the Hocus Pocus fans, probably, that, that middle circle so, is probably fairly large. I will come out and say that... I don't understand the Nightmare Before Christmas hype that it gets, like, in the Disney world. We've Um, talked about that at length. Right, we talked about it. But I totally buy into the Hocus Pocus hype. Like, I'm (laughs) I'm there. I'm wearing my Hocus Pocus shirt today. You can't see it because, like, my light is really dark in here tonight. Um, It is dark for a closet. So normally there's a full length mirror on the back of the door, but we're in the process of painting and um, getting all our doors redone. And so there isn't, the mirror isn't hanging there. So I think it's not shooting the light back at me. So anyways, I'm wearing my Hocus Pocus shirt tonight and it says, um, it's just a bunch of Hocus Pocus. So anyways, yeah, I, if I had to pick what, like, weird Disney fandom I was going to hop onto. It was definitely going to be Hocus Pocus. Um, But I will also say that I don't think I ever actually watched this movie when it came out. 
Um, I don't think I ever saw this movie until I was older, which is so weird to me because I was like right in the correct age group to like be in love with Max. Uh-huh. And I also already really liked that actor because I used to love him in Erie, Indiana. Erie, Indiana. Yeah. And and, and Dallas. Like a uh, I never watched him in oh, Dallas. Oh, man. Like, so when I was, when we talk about him, his name is Omri Katz. And, like, he kind of retired after this one, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, he isn't really in anything else. Mm-mm. Um. But yeah, like I was eleven. I was like mm-hmm. prime. Like, I don't know how I missed this movie as a kid. I don't know. Oh, like, I didn't. Ninety three, thirteen. Yeah. I loved this movie, and I saw it a lot. So my recollections of it then, as a thirteen year old, are significantly different. Yeah. From watching it again this time around, the kids were not. Eh. They were not particularly interested. Yeah. And on this one, it was because two scary movies in a row, uh. Mom. Can't we so, save this one for Halloween? And I'm like, but I have to release it before Halloween. So you have to watch. No, they were not. So we'll probably watch it at yeah. Halloween. But I couldn't talk them into it before Halloween. So I have no actual kid pinions right. on this one. I, uh, Yeah. So, my son started watching it with me and then left shortly thereafter. See, Um, I honestly expect that to be the general reaction to this movie. Anyway, it's fine. Um, So, something else that's interesting that I I found was that there is speculation that this movie was originally actually supposed to be meant as a Disney original movie. But then, like, in the course of development, it became a theatrical release. And I can kind of see a bit of that, like, in the scripting for this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I I can see that. But then, like, when you get to, like, casting and stuff, obviously they're not going to put Bette Midler in... A Disney Channel original movie, right? So, um, and originally the part of Max was supposed to be played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And Kathy and Jimmy's part was offered to Rosie O'Donnell. I don't know. How old was Leonardo DiCaprio then? So gonna make me google and shit i don't know i feel like leo is older yeah. than me by a few years he would have been 19 so i guess that's all right yeah but he would have so i mean he was born in 74 yeah okay so he's six years older than me so yeah and he would have been 17 and he was remember like that would have been Gilbert Grape, kind of, I suspect, right around in that time. And he looked really young, but I don't know that he would have looked quite, like, for, I don't know, probably. Um, I think he might have been right around the same age. Like, mm-hmm. so, Omri Katz, I'm, I'm really glad you told me how to pronounce his name, because I didn't know. Um, he was born in 76, so he was 17. Mm-hmm. So not too far off. Um, and 
so interesting talking about Leonardo DiCaprio the um the what's the word I want composer I guess or writer of the song that Sarah um oh my god what the hell is her Jessica name? Parker Sarah Jessica Parker whose character's name is also Sarah that's what threw me off Oh, actually, yeah. for a second there. She plays a character named Sarah. Um, so when I started to say her name, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Am I saying the right name? <laughs> Anyways, the song that she sings to like draw all the children in, the same guy who wrote that also wrote My Heart Will Go On from the Titanic. <laughs> oh. So. Okay. Bringing it all around. Okay. Um. <laughs> There is talk of a Disney Plus sequel being in the works. Um, all the cast, well, like, I mean, I don't know about, like, Omri Katz, because I don't know that he's, like, still in the business. But, he's not, as far as I can yeah. tell. But, like... Bette like, Midler, Kathy and Jimmy, Sarah Jessica Parker have all said that they are on board with a sequel, so... Well, but there's no actual, like, liquefied children juice to feed them to make them look the appropriate age. <laughs> they'll, they would probably just make, like, some throw-off comment that, like, the children aren't as pure as they used to be or something like that. I don't know. That's what I would do if I was writing it. So, <laughs> I, I, I say that in a kind of throwaway way, but... Since that's, I, I'm just kind of, my mind just is realizing how very like the QAnon conspiracy that actually oh, is. Oh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that's and I'm true. Like, Did it oh, my come God. from this movie? Has is Q started in on this one? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know that they use, like, they're, they're, they use proof in the form of, like, how we've been talking about the Illuminati, yeah. right? So, surely, I wonder how much proof this movie is. Right. And I feel guilty now, just having made this connection that I didn't have time to investigate it thoroughly beforehand. Because huh. now I feel like, to borrow the language, there are probably some hocus-pocus rabbit holes to go down. <laughs> Anyway, Jesus Christ! We don't but really want to. We're not. We're not going to do that. that. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> so then, additionally, Bette Midler says this is one of her favorite movies she's ever been in. So, like, I I have kind of mixed feelings about it now, but only as a kids' movie. Like, there's still there's a lot of love for this film in my so, heart, right? I totally understand why my son had no interest in this movie. Um, I love it. I think it's a, mm -hmm. I think it's a great movie. I will rewatch it probably at least two or three more times between now and Halloween. But I am also one of those basic bitches who loves spooky season. Like I, my house. It's September. What's the date? September twenty fifth when we're recording this. Twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Okay, I've already okay. turned. I've already put myself in tomorrow can't even mode. get the... Yeah, I know. It's October already, right? Because we um, want it to be pumpkin spice season. I decorated last weekend. I know. 
I'm not at all surprised by this. Because <laughs> I'm just, I, I just love fall. Well, and <laughs> also... I love Halloween. I don't even love fall. Like, I don't like pumpkin spice. And oh, no, you don't like pumpkin spice. I like black cats and spooky skeletons. <laughs> I know an astonishing number of people who are born, uh, who are who, whose birthday falls on Halloween. Yeah. And so there's just something like, I don't know. I, I get I get the love. I, I personally have always gotten the love. Halloween is my favorite pagan holiday. Mm-hmm. It's just, man, it's a fun day. Even when it's not a fun day. And, the, you know, there's I mean, death shit for me there, too. We, 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 we will have to re-record Coco at some point in time. Yeah. But even without the death shit, it's still a fun day. And... There's something about it this year as, so it'll be six years. My son will have died in October. Mm-hmm. And despite that, as we roll into October, I am very much looking forward this year for maybe the first time ever mm-hmm. in that I am looking forward to whatever the fuck these holidays are going to be. Yeah. Because it's time to have even something small to Mm -hmm. celebrate. Like, I got to go to a casino for my 20th Mm -hmm. anniversary, which we were talking about before we started recording. So I was supposed to renew my vows this year for my 20th anniversary, and that obviously didn't happen. So we went to the casino instead, because that's what Omaha, Nebraska has to offer as high life. (laughs) For your 20th wedding anniversary, apparently. And in, a have, in a pandemic. In a pandemic. Right. It could have been better. Fly. You're not I'm flying sure it would have been better under normal circumstances. <laughs> but we didn't get any pictures. And my husband and I were talking about it. And he's like, but did you want pictures of the casino? <laughs> and I'm really, I'm like, no, no, really, I don't want pictures of the casino. But at the same time. I needed, I needed those days. They were very mm-hmm. restful, recuperative, even mm-hmm. though the bed sucked. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I got to spend 20 hours away from my children. Mm-hmm. And as we come into the holidays, these children whose lives have been upended just as mm-hmm. much as ours. My nine-year-old's already started asking about Christmas mm-hmm. a lot. Like, I think he's really needing that sense of holiday normalcy and that there's going to be presents and that things are Mm going to be sort of okay again. And I get that on a fundamental level. I get that. And that's what Halloween is Mm -hmm. for me. Yep. And totally agree. Marketing seems to indicate the same thing. Like I was, I'm a marketer by trade and I know you are too, but so one of my favorite newsletters is about marketing and I was reading that we're already starting to pitch Halloween. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, we have tickets to do like a drive through Halloween light thing. I'm not even sure what it's going to entail. That was my like. Worst case scenario, at least we'll be doing something Halloween-y. And that's the weekend before Halloween. And I'm still kind of waiting to see what my neighborhood decides to do about trick-or-treating. At the very least, Target had all their Halloween candy 30% off today. So I bought a giant bag of Halloween candy. And if we eat the Halloween candy, that's fine. 
because it's probably the same amount of Halloween candy you would have brought in, right? But at least this time, it's the stuff I wanted. Right? Exactly. So, whatever. I kind of, I've kind of promised my children that I will buy big bags mm-hmm. of Halloween candy. I saw someone on Facebook had a... Oh, my God. It was like... It was a Pinterest fail to beat all Pinterest fails. It was M&M's taped to skewers, and they were stuck <laughs> in the ground. I'm like, and I get it, but I live in Nebraska. The, the ground's frozen. <laughs> right. The, or wet. Or wet, or and or raining and yeah. snowing yeah. on Halloween because it's the end of October. Yeah, same Just here. The logistical nightmare of frozen and or melted chocolate on sticks just isn't really appealing to me. Yeah. Um, even though we've already had Corona, I don't really want to take my kids trick-or-treating. So yeah, I don't know. I'm probably going to buy big bags of chocolate and feed it to them and watch movies and we're going to have to figure out something at home. I will look around though because a drive through thing sounds fun and mm-hmm. I bet we're offering something similar here. Mm-hmm. Our, um, <laughs> our county is suggesting that we throw the Halloween candy. <laughs> oh, year. Jesus H. Christ. No, they're not. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. And Boom, they've, they've trick titled or treat. They, Boom. Did I get said, you in the forehead? They've said that they're calling it Yeet the Treat. Oh, and so the best part about this whole thing is that like all the local news stations have been reporting on Yeet the Treat. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do, but we have a bag of candy to eat. Our own bag of candy, regardless. Are you going to buy a bag of candy to yeet? I don't. Well, that's the thing. Like the candy, the bag of candy is either to yeet or eat, depending on how. Oh my god, this is horrible. (laughs) So yeah, that's Halloween. (laughs) And here we are, folks. Here we are. Okay, so. Anything before we get into the cast? No, although I am, I have to say, I, I, I too still am kind of shocked by 37%. I just, know. I wonder if it was not like. That's, no, of, the, so critics didn't like it. Like no, Roger Ebert had like a scathing like. Oh, I'm sure. I I remember when Ebert pulled out the scathing dislike. It just dripped (laughs) disdain. No. Yeah. But like overall, yeah, I don't know. I'm really surprised by that. It does. Okay. So the tomatometer is 37%. Tomato meter. It's the tomato meter. The tomatometer. (laughs) (laughs) um but the audience score is 71 okay so that is a little bit better Mm -hmm. okay i feel better but so yeah it was the critics that didn't like it it was just the critics well (laughs) f the critics what do they know it is a classic we are here to discuss this classic well kind of (laughs) do we have 
we don't have anything significant to go through for cast, really. Uh, no, just, I mean, we kind of already talked about how Bette Midler um, thinks this is, like, one of her favorite movies to have been in. Um, interesting. I have to what? say, I like Sarah Jessica Parker in this film, because mm-hmm. I think, 93... So Sex and the City would be coming. That was literally what I was just looking up. Like, where did this fall in her filmography? Like, Uh what? I mean, so she had been in some stuff when she was younger. Like, girls just want to have fun. Um, So this was right after Honeymoon in Vegas. Oh, Jesus. But before, (laughs) before the First Wives Club. Okay. Also before Mars Attacks. Yeah, before Mars Attacks. Oh, yeah, she was in Flight of the Navigator. I had, like, a very clear image of her as, like, a younger actress, uh-huh. and I couldn't think of why it was Flight of the Navigator. Uh-huh. Um, so, let's see. She and hosted Saturday Night Live in 94. She also was in Ed Wood. So what happened around then? It must have been Ed Wood. Ed Wood. Striking yeah. distance with Bruce Willis. I'm looking at it. There's a picture of a boat. It was, I'm sure, entirely forgettable. And then Sex and the City didn't start until... 98. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I like her in this role, too. I've heard that, like, for a lot of little, little boys, for a lot of young boys, that it was... Um, oh, a I'm very important sh- role for them, too. I'm sure Sarah Jessica Parker's boobies yeah. in 1990... Yabos. Yabos, you're right. In 1993 yeah. were very monumentally significant to a lot of boys. I certainly enjoyed them. So, <laughs> like... So then, as far as, like, cast goes, noteworthy, um, the whole situation where there's an actor, his name is Sean Murray, he plays Thackeray Binks as Thackeray Binks in, right. like, the intro. But then Thackeray Binks as the cat is voiced by Jason Marsden. And that's always been weird to me. Why? Because Why? it's so obvious. Because they also have him voicing Thackeray Binks in their, like, in the beginning. I know. And it's obvious. It's terrible. And I don't understand why they didn't just have Jason Marsden... Do the acting. Uh, Because he's a little older. No, he's not. He was born in 75. Oh, 75. So he could have done it. I don't know He's the right age. He was a child actor. He's been in stuff. Did did he not look at the part? I don't know. It's... I don't know. Or maybe it is that he looked too much. So, okay, I'm looking at credits here. Just an in-sequence. While he didn't have a whole lot of film work going on at that time. He was, I mean, it was Erie, Indiana and General Hospital and... He had a very similar, obviously, a similar uh, repertoire to everybody else in this movie at this point, right? Child actor-wise. Right. Um, something I think is really funny, though, is that I know that there were a lot of girls who really thought Thackeray Banks was attractive. Um, and he is pl- he 
he yes. his actor is still prolific to these days. He's uh, Timothy McGee on NCIS, who's like kind of a nerdy guy, like not really what you expected Thackeray Binks to grow up to look like, I guess, is the best way to put it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, these credits do just kind of keep on going, especially the voice acting credits. Oh, are you talking about Jason Marsden? Yes. Yeah, he's he's a big voice actor. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, are you talking about the actor-actor? Yes, who played, sorry. Okay. The actor-actor who played Thackeray we're, Binks. We're, the blonde... Okay, so... Who is Sean Murray. Let's yes, use his he's name. blonde. Oh, okay, now I'm looking at him going, oh yeah, I know exactly who is. You know who exactly is. who he is, but I you exactly never would have guessed No, him. I never would have watched this movie and been like, oh yeah, I know that guy. He's in whatever, right? Right. Anyways, I thought that was interesting. NCIS. Okay. And then Doug Jones, who plays Billy Butcher, sin. Billy, I thought he. Don't they just call him Billy Butcher? Yeah, whatever. Billy Butcherson. Billy Butcherson. Uh, he is a pretty prolific. Um, uh, they say he's an actor contortionist in mime. He plays a lot of non-human characters. Uh, he was in Hellboy. He plays um, the. Uh, who was he in Hellboy? He's the uh, aquatic thing. Oh, so he is. He's also, I think, the silver surfer. Oh, and he's the shape of water. Oh, which is... What a, What? What do we call him? sapien. Yeah. And so the shape of water was not, I mean, kind of ape. Like, right, right. Another uh, aquatic thing. Um. Amphibian Man, I guess, was just his name there. Yeah. But, like, yeah, he, he okay. He, he plays a lot he of heavily lot of... makeuped roles. Uh-huh. There's a ton of them in here. Mm-hmm. Fun. Okay. A lot of stuff with Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. So, he played, here, speaking of weird voice actor not being the same as the actor. He plays the Silver Surfer, mm-hmm. but the Silver Surfer was voiced by Lawrence Fishburne. Hmm. So that's, like, becoming, like, a whole thing. It came up recently because there's a couple of, like, big roles where, um, or, like, popular roles mm-hmm. where the... So Pedro Pascal plays the Mandalorian. Right. But, but he, he plays the Mandalorian him. in that he voices the Mandalorian. And he only physically acts the Mandalorian. I don't know if he did at all. Um, and so that's becoming, like, an issue because, like, um, there's contention there. And he wants to take off the helmet. But that's, like, a whole thing about the Mandalorian is that he never lets anybody see his face, I guess. Um, it's also come up with Doom Patrol because in Doom Patrol the character that ben- Brendan Fraser plays, he doesn't act. He just voices. But it's like a physical character. Um, it's just a heavily made-up character. It's I a robot, see. essentially. So that's kind of like there's like starting to be a lot of movement to get more um, uh, credit for the people physically acting those roles. 
in those well, situations. And let's go back all the way to the precedent here, which is probably, I mean, do you remember the fight that was had over Darth Vader? You may be a little no, bit No, but I'm young, aware. Yeah, I'm but aware. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and when those movies came, like, there was, there was a hotbed of contention because... Mm-hmm. James Earl Jones isn't isn't in that costume. In that costume, mm-hmm. and in fact, the actor who plays David Prowse. So that's episodes four through six. David Prowse, and he believed he was doing the voices mm-hmm. all the way up until the film was re- the, the film, film was released, was released mm-hmm. and suddenly. That wasn't his voice. Right. They never told him. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of precedent for this stuff in film. And who does the character belong to? Right. These are not, I mean, because hell, what are we talking about when a character is voiced by one person, acted by another person, who does the character belong mm-hmm. to? I, I don't know that I honestly legitimately can say that there's a real answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just an interesting um, argument that I became aware of recently just because of that. Um, and then, as far as like noteworthy cast, I would say Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall. Right. But they were uncredited. Which is so weird. I know. (laughs) Maybe because they had to be paid a certain amount if they were credited. Well, and I I, I, I hate, like, the the, understand that I'm not calling them this. But in general, this is guy in the hallway kind of moments. Yeah, yeah. Like, I need someone to do this, and they happen to be there, probably because they were working on something else, because this is Penny Marshall with Jerry Marshall. How else do they get called in? How are they in this movie? So, Gary was the devil, right? Yeah, yeah. They play a husband and wife. wife. Yeah. I mean, and so those aren't guy in the hallway roles precisely. They probably, so then it's a budget thing. I'm going to go with you on a budget because they wanted them. They were great for it. They couldn't afford them. So Mm -hmm. they just did it for free and not credited. There are rules, according to SAG. If you are credited, there are rules about what you're paid and what percentages you get in royalties or residuals. So that's why uncredited acting, especially at this time, happened a lot. Because mm-hmm. it couldn't afford to pay you, didn't want to pay you, still wanted you in my movie. And Gosh, it's prestigious being in a movie. Although for these two, mostly it's a, gosh, those were probably fun characters to yeah. play, right? Yeah, I, I love that. The the devil, and mm-hmm. they think he's the actual devil. Yes. <laughs> I just love Like, he had the best Tuesday yeah. when he got to come in and be the devil. And Penny... Got to throw Cheetos at Bette Midler. Yeah. Absolutely nothing about that was a bad day either. <laughs> so who needs to get paid for that is kind of 
I love actors. Plus <laughs> actors. Okay. Do we have anything else? For... I think that's it. I skimmed through the list, and I, I would say that's the most noteworthy bits I mean, and pieces. Thora Birch Thora plays Birch. Danny. What's she doing these days? I think she's notably not doing anything recently. That may well be the case. Oh, she was on The Walking Dead, apparently, which feels like notably not doing anything these days. (laughs) (laughs) Nine episodes, which, yeah, that feels like collecting a paycheck to go and die. And I realize that's horribly cynical of both of us, but neither one of us are Walking Dead fans. Well, or we were, and then... I show divorced The Walking Dead fairly early in. But it its... looks like from like 2010 ish to 2018, mm-hmm. she didn't do a whole lot of anything. No. Um, there was like one movie in there. So she's there... just maybe just ramping back up into. There was a show called Colony, three seasons, USA. Um, she. Kind of had a minor recurring role on that. She only one, played. She was only in two episodes. Two episodes, yeah. So it just looks like she may have just stepped out of acting for a while. Well, I think that's kind of how you stay sane in mm-hmm. Hollywood. You do a movie and then you go hang out on a beach for a while. That's wouldn't we all like? That oh, it looks like she went to school. Oh, good for her. So. So, she did a movie, went to school, probably spent some time on the beach, too. <laughs> I mean. Okay. So, this movie, then. Shall we talk about this movie? Yes. I love I love how this movie starts. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, the whole way like, through, I'm watching it going, oh, God, this is such a 90s it film. It is. And I love how um, I feel like Th- Thackeray Binks in the beginning is doing, like, the epitome of what does Joey call it in Friends, like, sniffing farts? He's just, like, <laughs> his mouth is just hanging open the whole time. He's like, huh. I wonder what he actually sounded like acting that part because, like, his mouth maybe is just that's why they open the whole him. time. Maybe that's why they replaced him. Because... I'm listening to um, a podcast right now. It's, oh, I can't think of what it's called. It's um, Mark Paul Gossler is going through and watching um, Saved by the Bell with the guy who did the um, Zach Morris is Trash podcast. Oh, God. So it's great, but, like, he, Mark Paul Gossler, keeps pointing out, like, how terrible of an actor he is as a kid. And I feel like (laughs) this is, like, exactly what he's talking about when he points that out. Mark got better. (laughs) He got better. (laughs) But he was so cute then, we didn't care. We didn't. I feel like, to me, this whole movie, I mean, it's obvious that, like, the Sanderson sisters' house is a set, right? And the graveyard is a set, right? But 
there's something just so like warm and nostalgic about watching a movie that obviously takes place on a set like that because of the way Disney produces it it makes me think of like bed knobs and broomsticks and Mary Poppins and so like it has a very nostalgic feel to it it really does regardless of the fact that like they constantly talk about virgins and say damn like a hundred times in the movie there was a lot of language for a pg film and the virgin talk yeah so like let's get into that shall we so i'm trying i really wanted i really wanted my kid to watch it as an experiment because i knew that that comes up like constantly throughout this movie and i wanted to see if when he watched it it was something that he didn't even think about or if it was something that he had questions about but he left so i don't know (laughs) so you have no answers for us nor do i and i suspect i can answer fairly honestly i will have to because if we get to it and we watch it and there's care about the film all of those are very intangible variables here but Mm -hmm. assuming they line up and the stars align i will have to answer a lot of questions Mm -hmm. about virgin and what that means Mm -hmm. oh jesus h christ and yabos oh yeah yeah (laughs) oh i do think of something that i wanted to i i think i know what was pulling my focus from this movie, like genre-wise at the time, mm-hmm. The Mighty Ducks came out in 1992. Oh. So I think my 11 year old heart was too focused on um, I, Joshua I mean, Jackson I, I to really branch out. in the soul <laughs> for your love of Joshua Jackson. And Casper came out the year before, didn't it? Oh, did it? I think so. With Devin Sawa. With Devin Sawa, yeah. <laughs> like everybody wanted a dead boyfriend. Um so that's my guess as to why, like, as an eleven year old I wasn't like fully on board with this movie. <laughs> well, sure. So I can't even say like what my memory of that aspect of it, of like the whole talk of the virgin lighting the candle was as an eleven year old. <laughs> I would have been 13. Oh, God, I don't even want to. <laughs> we're just going to skip over the conversations that I was having. No, actually, we don't have to. Because I, it was the 90s. So we were talking, it was height of purity culture. Yeah. Right? Right. I, 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 so, my my father had an interesting relationship with the church. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be a priest. Okay. I think right up until the time that he decided he'd rather have more sex than be a priest. <laughs> and then he quit school. And shortly thereafter, he met my mother. Now... I'm not great at math, but the wedding was in February and I was born in July. You know, the first baby can come at any time. It's all the babies after that that take nine months. <laughs> right. Anytime. <clears throat> it's 1980, you know, so mm-hmm. we still we still got married for that reason. Mm-hmm. And by 93... 
My parents had divorced. My father had met my stepmom. He could not get an annulment from the Catholic Church mm -hmm. after being married for, I believe it was eight years, nine years, having fathered two children. Mm -hmm. So suddenly they became Episcopalian. Mm -hmm. And I wish I was even joking about this shit. And Episcopalians, it's like Catholic light. I, I mean, in, in, the terms that they viewed it, right? Yeah. yeah. It was it was God with mostly the same rules. Like man, I was so messed up as a kid. <laughs> and while purity culture at that time was mostly embraced by the evangelicals. Right. Yeah, because like growing up in a Catholic community, that it was, wasn't it was probably really a thing. not something that you did a lot of. No, but was something that I kind of got snookered into, because suddenly my dad was guilty. I don't know. I was thirteen. I don't have clear, coherent <laughs> answers as to why I was given a purity ring by my father at right around this age mm -hmm. because I was to be a virgin until marriage, damn it. Like, I feel like that conversation is slowly dying. Not fast enough, though, is it? Mm -hmm. Not fast enough. There's still large swaths of American culture Probably not our listeners. Uh, I don't think they like us very much. But they're still demanding purity from their children. Mm -hmm. And this movie was what? So let's talk about... Because that's kind of a part of this film, no? The Virgin is a boy. There was yeah. this really subtle tongue-in-cheek dig by Disney. Yeah. No? About well, virginity and purity culture? And if you watch, there's, like, when they're talking about lighting the candle, um, what's her character's name? Um, Allison kind of, like, mm -hmm. skirts the issue. It's very right. subtle. It's very, very subtle. subtle, but and I didn't pick it up then, but I certainly did rewatching mm -hmm. it this time around, and it was yeah. So honestly, my reading of it was that she wasn't going to light the candle because she wasn't a yeah. virgin, and we didn't have that conversation right. because Max lights the candle and he's a virgin. You idiot! Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but I feel like, so as much as it's surprising to me that that's like a whole theme of this movie, um, it's not like he really gets made fun of any, like, no, it's at, not... at all for it. Um, but also I feel like that fits for like an ancient spooky spell, <laughs> right? It right. seems fitting, doesn't it? Like right. it's all about virgins and whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not... Fictional ancient spooky spells, I mean, right. are and all about virgins. That frequently are. 
<laughs> so in a historical way, they were just... But I think that they did manage to make... Disney's always been very good at little mm-hmm. subtle digs about yeah. culture, how it thinks about culture, what, for better or for worse. <laughs> but this one, I think, at this time, yeah, was pretty telling. Um, so things that stick out to me in this movie that I find really interesting, um, or just that stick out to me, um... Max's bedroom is awesome, and I mm-hmm. would have absolutely... That was like a dream bedroom as a kid, you know? So I'm guessing his house goes up to the widow's walk and, that, like, the lookout. Because there's that weird staircase in his room, and his house has the, like, harbor, like, outlook in the top. I have literally no reference for what you're talking about, because I have lived in the Midwest <laughs> for most of my life. Okay. And if a house has more... Then two stories. (laughs) It is definitely unique. So I have lived on the Great Lakes for all of my life. And if you have no concept of how big the Great Lakes are, they are huge. And they were shipping lanes. And they are shipping lanes. So you get a lot of the culture around, like, um, the merit, like, around, like, Maine and stuff. That kind of all kind of pulls over here. So houses with, like, widow's walks and, like, the lookouts at the top, those those are around here, too. Um, so we see those. And so what those were originally meant for was for people to go and to, like, look out to see if, like, their loved one's ship was coming in. Oh, I see. Okay. So, and if okay. you look, they are. They're on, like, water. Right. I don't know. I think this was actually filmed in Salem, Massachusetts. Well, right. I assume geographically, that it was I'm assuming. geographically in Salem. Yeah. Yeah. So it. Yeah. Anyway. So that's right on the water. Um. So yeah. So I'm guessing the reason. Now I'm sure they didn't film in his actual room, but I'm sure like when the set designer was putting that together, their thought process was that his room goes up to that staircase. Yeah, it's a cool But it's such a touch. cool room, right? It's such a cool, like, I want a loft in yeah. my room. Who didn't want a cubby? I mean, we've talked about this a hundred times right. on this show. Like, I, I think that we have, actually, yes. <laughs> um, I kind of love the scene where he's talking to the cop about <laughs> bringing the Not Sanderson the sisters alive. Dude, dressed yeah. as a cop. <laughs> Not a dude. It's key, just a key distinction. <laughs> yeah. And what, like, you could never do that. I don't think you could have done that in 1992. You can't dress up like a cop with, like, a badge and stuff and walk around on Halloween. I, I, so, 1993, (laughs) no, I just honestly, I don't don't think you could do that. Yes, but I don't think we would have cared. Even if you were a tough biker. (laughs) I, I just, I just don't think we would have cared. The level of yeah, you're right. Complacency mm-hmm. about I mean, you know, and let's not talk about the antagonistic relationship we currently have this here. The yeah, outside of current events, we can like completely remove of that. Current from... events. The relationship we have with policing has changed, I think, fundamentally in the last 20 years, even Mm -hmm. just because of Mm 9-11. So removing current events, which is difficult to do, but we'll remove current events 
And we'll talk about, even just in the last 20 years, policing has changed. And this movie is, because I know, we're old, but it's almost 30 years old. Yeah. So, in this time, you know, that's, for me, when we watch... I just don't think you could have done it. I think you would have gotten in trouble. I I don't... No, I don't Impersonating a police officer is against the law. Is and has always been. But on Halloween, no, I but just to that don't extent, think if you were wearing like a joke police costume, that's one thing. But like he was wearing like a legitimate police costume, uniform. Just, he went to like he uh, went to uh, the oh, I mean, it did. Uniform he did look cop like. I I absolutely <laughs> will concede that point. I'm just it's saying, just, I don't think. No, I just I just don't think anyone would have that cared. just. Takes me right out of the movie. I can't suspend disbelief. Well, and see, that's one of the things that I am always really stricken by when we watch these older films. Like what sticks? Is, yeah. Because how much has, I, I, I don't know, am I just really getting old? Because some of this stuff does just feel <laughs> ridiculously beyond belief. So then, ridiculously beyond belief. But my inclination is to say no. In 1993, on Halloween, even it would have been okay. (laughs) It would have been okay. No one would have cared. We just, we just didn't care that much, (laughs) because he was on his way to a party, on a bike that wasn't marked with police insignia or anything, right? It was just a normal, I don't know. ordinary motorcycle. I don't know. So, I, like, I think he could have gotten away with, even if he'd gotten pulled over, just saying, just going to a party, officer, and being told, yeah, okay, whatever, man. I... It was just such a No, it totally time. looks like a police cruiser. Like, I've just pulled up a picture. It's got, like, the the extra piece in the front like older cop bikes used to have i, I don't know it looks like a police cruiser okay um i'm just saying okay so well, the other well, thing about this movie for me is you know how like when you're younger you have that like thought that like there's going to be cool high school parties with bands playing <laughs> the two adult parties in this movie if I could ever encounter an adult party like either of those where, like, the buy-in for costumes is, like, so high. So, like, Allison's family. That, right? that Halloween party. Everybody has, like, That's fantastic period, period exactly. like, I want to go to that Halloween party. I but, like, go to the that only Halloween time you party. encounter stuff like that is if, like, People who are reenactors are specifically having like a once a year event where everybody's been working on their costume. Or for a rich year. people throw a very specific kind of costume. But party. I don't like. Is that what her family is like? Oh, super yeah. rich people. Oh yeah. Throwing Did a you specific see costume. That house. Yeah. Were they giving yeah. out full size candy bars? Were they giving <laughs> out full size candy bars? <laughs> And then, like, the the community party that um, Max and, uh, what's her face, is <laughs> Max Danny. and Danny's parents go to. Again, all the parents, everybody's wearing really awesome costumes. Really great costumes. Even though it was kind of in a gem. Like, yeah. it, it was clearly, it was a party. Somebody spiked the punch. 
But beyond that, too, like, if any time I've ever gone to anything approaching that, 90% of the people are not dancing. No. Nobody's dancing. I have a meme that says something to the effect of, I was texting with my dad the other day, and I said I was bored, and he said, you're an adult now. Find one or two people that you sort of like and go to Applebee's and drink a couple of beers. This is adulthood now. That's just as good as it gets. And I'm like... (sighs) Now I'm depressed again. Okay. So... (laughs) Do we want to talk... So there were some good things uh, that I noticed this time around, like... Some things about the witches, okay, that that they didn't quite get right. Okay, at one point in time, who it, it's it's Mary, Kathy, right? Kathy and Jimmy. Yes, so amazing. But Mary talks about cooking lobster with margarine. There yes, no margarine. I in heard. Mary's I saw that. Time. <laughs> yeah, that's so weird. And also, I don't think they cooked lobster. <clears throat> like, isn't this back when like lobster was like poor people food, and like you mashed it all up into a paste and fed it to prisoners? I have no idea. Again, I've lived in the Midwest for most <laughs> of my life. Where the idea of lobster as poor people food is utterly redonkulous. Well, it's redonkulous here too, but I guess historically that was like the case that it got it got fed to prisoners and stuff. Bottom dwellers, I mean sea bugs. So, and given the way that she spoke of it, I mean, so they kind of got it right because probably what access would they have had to rich people food as the witches living in the bog? Yeah, true. But she also talked about it, like, setting it up like we eat it today. Not not that I eat it with margarine, yes, but you know exactly. what I mean. Yes, exactly. But... Liberal amounts of butter. Um, also, who the fuck uses butter or margarine with lobster? That's nobody. That's what I mean. Sacrilege. Like, that's disgusting. Sacrilege. <laughs> that's disgusting. Holy shit. Okay. But... There is the scene where they run into the road, right? Yeah, like, at the bus. <laughs> and the bus. Oh, my God, and that's so, like, inappropriate. Because they're, like, he, the bus driver is asking them what they need or Literally whatever. Literally propositioning all three of them, right? And they the say, Child- we want children. And, and he says, okay. I'm sure I he can, can make that happen ta- or whatever. It'll take a few years, probably. <laughs> or no, it'll take tries. a few tries, something like that. Oh yeah. my god. Inappropriate. In a PG film, y'all. Yeah. Remember how we talked about how the standards don't actually count for much? Yeah. This is sh- this is our yet another example, shining example of how true that is. But like Disney wouldn't make this movie now, right? It no, wouldn't they be would like not have this. Made this. And movie. that's why I'm not like super excited necessarily for um, any kind of sequel because right. it's not going to be. What will it be? It's not going to be at this level. I mean, it's not going to be a movie for me. No, and there's just, I mean, even though it was designed as a film for, and and you're right, you can tell it was supposed to be for the Disney Channel originally. 
And then they turned it into a feature-length film. And it turned out pretty well. And there's some really nice little touches about it. But it's still, like, there's so many holes that would not have, if it had been meant for theater release originally, that would have been caught. Mm-hmm. That margarine line being one of them. Right? They mm-hmm. just they right. would have paid a little more attention to it. It would have seen more Yeah, like I think something's probably Yeah. You know, and I, I do I did like so I liked the scene I still liked the scene where Billy turns turncoat. Yeah, yep. And you can so and becomes when a I was good zombie. It, when I was watching it this today, I was kind of like paying attention to Billy, and you can tell like he's really not all in from the beginning. Like he's kind of trying to get to the kids to like get them to like help him. Mm-hmm. It looks like, but yeah. No, he doesn't chase him very hard no. or very effectively. He does keep losing his head though. He does keep losing his head, poor Billy. There's some really nice comic relief in this, mm-hmm. too, that would equally probably not make it yeah. today. Yeah, there were quite a few times where I, like, found myself laughing more, like, honestly than I expected to be mm-hmm. laughing, you know? So, yeah, um... Is there anything else that we really want to cover in terms of plot notes? Uh, maybe Max and Danny's relationship. Okay, so the brother-sister thing, I suppose you have a big brother. I do. So this one was probably more significant. I'm the oldest. Mm -hmm. So this was probably more significant to you (laughs) than not. Yeah, it was reminiscent of the relationship I have with my brother. Like... And, and they do that well. Treating, yeah, right. Like they, they do the brother sister, older antagonized. Mm-hmm. I mean, she sneaks up on him in his bedroom. Yeah, he yells at her for being a brat. They fight over trick or treating. Right. All of that. She was, embarrasses him in front of friends, but in the end, he still takes the potion. Mm-hmm. So it's not her. Mm-hmm. It's a it's it's a nice. Gotta give Disney that they do always hit those sibling notes. They do really well, right? They like really... we talked about it in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, mm-hmm. and they do Onward. a good job of being realistic about mm-hmm. that in a lot of their movies, like this. Not necessarily in like their princess movies and stuff like that but like I think they've done a good job of like older sibling younger sibling recently well, it's always too. a complicated relationship it is. no siblings siblings are hard siblings are tough siblings are <laughs> tough yeah and there's no matter what the age separation is, there's they all have their own weird weirdness. It because it, yeah. it, it doesn't matter, and if you're an only, there's also the weirdness of not having siblings. Right, right. 
Yeah. So this familial bond around siblings is 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 a familial wound we have to poke at often. Mm-hmm. And poke at in a lot of ways because there's a lot of different permutations, right? Right. Like when my kids watch The Incredibles, they see them, mm-hmm. right? Because in many ways, that's the relative age right. of my and sex of my children. Mm-hmm. So they see themselves and so they really relate to that one. Those two in particular in ways that they don't to others. Mm-hmm. And this is, yeah. So this was you and your older brother. And even as an adult, that stuff is, it hits meaningful notes. It right. doesn't for me because right. I don't have older brothers. I have younger brothers who were little assholes. and <laughs> Right? Like, it's right. a different antagonistic relationship there. So, yeah. And we have, um, we do have the songs. We haven't really mentioned beyond the composer of the songs. We could, like, is Bette Midler singing the best part of this movie? It's one of the best parts it's of this certainly movie. certainly one of the best, yes. It's definitely, like, <clears throat> a good showpiece. She think- apparently, on one of her tours, she sang... I put a spell on you, this version of it. Like, she would come out dressed up as Winifred, and her backup singers would come out as Mary and Sarah. I just... I love when, like, somebody really just embraces an iconic role like that. So, and and for me, that's the biggest thing. Child, bad acting of child actors aside, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of variable, although relatively high quality. Yeah, for, it could have been far worse. It, it could have been much, much worse for, for the level of what we have here. Decent child acting. But man, the sisters are what made this movie. Yeah. And all three of them had such a goddamn good time yeah. doing this thing. They had a blast, and it It's shows. got, like, the right amount of slapstick. Oh, yeah. You know, without being, like, way too much and over the top. I, yeah. I mean... I, I love it, the sisters. Yes. They're just... And I love... Yeah. They're funny I love each of their roles, their personalities. Oh, and there was so much time and attention and thought put mm-hmm. into, like... People who don't act don't generally appreciate the amount of time that goes into character development off screen. <laughs> and you really, you can tell when the work has been done mm-hmm. and when the work has not been done. Mm-hmm. But here the work was legitimately done and man, those three women are so remarkably well developed. I guarantee you, if you asked any one of them to tell you backstories, they mm-hmm. could talk about, still, probably still to this day, could talk about these characters for hours. Mm-hmm. Like, just tell stories about mother. <laughs> <laughs> mother. Oh, I, I would like to know about mother. I would like to know more about the witch of a woman who gave birth to these, these three. three. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
Maybe they should go for a prequel instead of a sequel. Can't with the age, but I'm... Yeah, I know. It... Prequel. Different actors. Let them be all old on their deathbed telling stories. There, I've written it for you, Disney. <laughs> oh. Oh, and we didn't even talk about... Oh, God. Ice and Hollywood and... Oh, holy <laughs> shit, what the hell is the other asshole's kid's Jay. name? Jay. Jay and Jay. Ice. Jay and Ice, we haven't talked about them at all. They're mostly forgettable, except for the way that they just brought me back to the that early was such 90s. like a trope, like an early right? 90s bully trope is those two characters. You've got the guy who listens to uh, hair metal, or heavy metal, rather. Not hair metal, sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to offend him. Um, and then the guy who's just starting to listen to rap, like... Ice, probably, like, a year ago, Ice probably dressed just like Jay. Probably. You know? Probably. Oh, God. Just. We all knew that guy that looked just like Jay, too, right? And because, I mean, for me, that was was peak early high school, Mm -hmm. and I knew those assholes. Mm -hmm. And while they weren't quite that stereotypical... They were. They were. Yeah. It was, I look back. It's a caricature, but it's, it's based in fact. I look back though on my high school, because I went, my high school, now, let me say, I was in high school for seven years, so there were a few of them. (laughs) But the one I started at was very large. There were a minimum of 500 kids per mm-hmm. year. So there were two, 3,000 kids mm-hmm. on campus. And when you would go into the lunchroom and there would be hundreds of kids there, mm-hmm. they would all be sitting at their tables and they would look exactly <laughs> like their stereotypical representation. I mean... And I was no different, right. says the girl in Dickies and Doc Martens and plaid flannel. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we all had our parts. We all played them in early 90s. Jesus H. Christ, man. That was a yeah. special time. It was a special time. You want to really remember that? Go back and watch My So-Called Life. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. This was, if, if, if for nothing else, there was that remarkable walk down 1990s bully lane. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's all I got. You got anything else? I don't have anything else on this one. Okay. <clears throat> any, any blubberings? Any, I mean, because it hits the relationship points for you, not me. So but not this was, in, like, a blubbery way. But not in a blubbery way. I didn't think so either. No. It's just a fun movie to watch. It's just a fun movie to watch. And although, since none of our children watched it, do we have an age range for uh, this film? Like, do we have a suggested one? Maybe, like, I could see, like, a 10-year-old girl being more likely to watch this movie than my kid. 
yeah, I don't know if this is, I don't know if, we'll see. I, I don't expect any, my, my daughter might like the movie just mm-hmm. because she still, I mean, she still watch preschool shows when no one's watching because she's <laughs> autistic and that's just kind of, yeah, but man, she might, none of the, the boys won't. I don't think there's any real audience in my house for this film. That's and I, but I would sure. say that and caveat that with, I also don't think my son would sit down and watch the Mighty Ducks right now either. Oh, that breaks my heart a little, but I agree with that too. But he might. My nine-year-old probably yeah. is at peak now that you've said that. I, I feel like... It's an appropriate movie, and I'm sure it's on Disney+. Plus. It is. To go and say, hey, hey, let's watch, let, let's do hockey for movie night. He's, <laughs> he's like peak Mighty Ducks. There you go. Give it a try. We'll see. It's... God, Gordon Bombay is problematic, though. Well, <laughs> and, I, I, like, I love that movie. Love, love, love that movie. I'm probably going to have a much different take yeah, on that you film will. as an adult. I recently watched it because it is on Disney+, Plus and you will have a, a whole different take on it as an adult. So that's what I think is interesting about this movie, too, because like I obviously wasn't super interested in, in it as a kid, but I really <clears throat> like it as an adult. Mm-hmm. I still like it as an adult, although I still think there are some problematic notes to it. Mm-hmm. But relatively, man, it's not, it's whatever. Right. It's it's maybe not something that I would show my children. But it's not bad as a movie. Mm-hmm. Now, it is made for Halloween costumes. It is. Any any one of these lovely ladies that you can manage to dress yourself up as, yes. please feel free at any time this year. Take a picture. Send it to us. We'll post it on social media because that's about as exciting as our Halloween is going to be this year. <laughs> so, Okay. Give us a score, Sarah. I'm gonna give this one a four. Yeah, I'm 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 right there with you. I think a solid, respectable four. It it was fun to rewatch again, and for me, the rule always at fours and fives are: will I watch it again? Right after having recorded this podcast yep. episode about mm-hmm. it. Because the some of the movies that we do are so terrible, and I'm like, I am never going yep. back to that movie ever again. Yeah. But will I watch this one again? Yeah. yeah. Chances are good. Uh, still, so it's a solid four. I agree. That's a great barometer for it. I totally because, agree. You know, and most people probably don't have that barometer, but at this point, yeah, to have to sit and watch a movie. To analyze it for film, yeah. to then be able to watch it again, and that's really, that's key, mm-hmm. is can I watch it again and enjoy it, and yeah, with this one, I will, yeah, be able to. All right, well, okay, so, do we have anything else? Nope. I have nothing else. We have 
the Princess Bride coming up next. Yes, that is the plan. Very excited about. That's very exciting. And then the turkey movie. We decided on the turkey. It's called The Hollow. Nope, that's a that's a horror movie. That's not. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Turkey Hollow. Turkey Hollow. Yes. Called Turkey Hollow. That makes so much more. It's Turkey a Hollow. Nine, Turkey Hollow. 2015 movie, but it's called Jim Henson's Turkey Hollow. Okay, Turkey Hollow. Very exciting. <laughs> uh, and then we've got Christmas movies for you. Yeah. To round out the rest of you, your year with festive cheer. Yeah, we're doing it. We're working on these holidays being special. And we're starting with, I think, probably, if I'm being real honest, my all-time favorite movie. I don't... I don't think that there is a movie that is more f- precious to me than The Princess Bride. Okay. I just, nope, my favorite movie. Have you ever read the book? I have read the book. I okay, the book. we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So find us these days, sort of, kind of. On Instagram and Facebook at Latchkey Movies. You can email us, latchkeymovies at gmail.com. If you want to call and talk to us, we have a phone number. We take calls. It's 402-885-4875. Once upon a time, your children could call in and tell us about the movie. We, we'd still do that. Just saying. <laughs> We like the idea. We like the idea. We have listeners. You just don't come out and play. It's very, (laughs) very interesting, this relationship we have (laughs) with our listeners. There's quite a few of you. I'm always surprised by how many of you there are. Just say hi. 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 Okay. If you would like to say hi and buy us coffee, please do so. That's coffee. K-O-F-I dot com slash bar. And we'll see you